Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 245. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Kathleen Duffy. And Kathleen, today you and I agreed to discuss an article from Harvard Business School, published in April of 2019, that asks very pointedly, is the digital age making us petty? And it goes on to describe seven studies that were conducted with over 2,000 participants, primarily regarding digital payment apps like Venmo. And for those who aren't familiar, if you have these apps on your smartphone, you are able to, after connecting with another user, like your friend, on the app, pay them digitally. So you never have to write a check or give them physical money to reimburse or pay them for a service you enjoyed or a product that you both purchased. And the article gets into some really interesting details, the one that first stands out in my mind, Kathleen, being that research indicated if a coffee was $5.28 and you, Kathleen, purchased it for me, it would be better for me to pay you a rounded down $5 than to be exact and pay you $5.28. And the primary wisdom there, according to this article, being that individuals find such exact transactions alter a relationship or an interaction and make it feel, to use an aforementioned term, transactional. Whereas in the long term, when we aren't so exact, there's an implied relationship of trust that over the span of our friendship, for example, Kathleen, it won't matter if we pay exact amounts because gradually we will approach this even or fair line that I think we all want to walk, where we don't feel like we're abusing or taking advantage of others. And I find this so interesting because a lot of people, and I can think of many in my life who are very exact and precise folks, might see this as counterintuitive. I was also very interested by this section of the article and have also encountered many such people. What I find so interesting and off-putting from personal experience about this kind of a transaction is that in its specificity, the transaction seems to emphasize a feeling of debt and of owing one another. And I think such a feeling is only increased by the immediacy of these apps, the fact that we instantaneously pay each other back. While some people might think that this is just a matter of being fair or equal, what I find is that there are actually unspoken power dynamics at play, and that such transactions are undermined by an unacknowledged fear and discomfort of owing someone. And in that sense, I think we find a problem with our own vulnerability in what we give and take from each other. When I pay for someone, I'm worried about them perceiving me as this kind of a bookkeeping, petty person. And even if I might be in a tight spot financially at the moment, I'll intentionally say, don't worry about it, whenever you can is fine, or give a general amount rather than any kind of specific number. And ultimately, this tendency of mine isn't really rooted in generosity, but in a nervousness that this person will think I'm uptight. Many of us, I think, when it comes to money, want to seem chill and laid back, especially as this article points out at the beginning of our relationships. There are so many wise points you've made there, and I think you're spot on with all of them. I'm particularly grateful that you note the effect that indebtedness has on us, especially in personal relationships. I can point to any number of relationships in my life where friends and I might order a pizza using their card and we'll discuss how to pay one another back. And in my mind, I always want to make sure that I pay for the amount I've eaten or that they've paid proportionately for me. But I also think, as you point out, this puts them in a particular position and it adds degrees of negativity, fear, vulnerability, as you so well point out, 
to those relationships, and they aren't business relationships. And so there is value in presuming future kindnesses and that kindnesses will be exchanged. And I think for some people, though they might treat this as financial risk, maybe buy someone a cup of coffee every once in a while. And if they never return the favor, by which I don't mean pay you back, but do something of an equivalent value, and it doesn't have to be financial value, then take that into consideration. Maybe this person doesn't see you as a friend, and in the future, you perhaps can treat it as more of a business transaction with that person. I don't think that's wrong, but this article, to me, gets at the danger of crossing those wires, that if people treat you with kindness, you should return kindness to them, and that when people purchase things on your behalf, paying them back might be the fairest thing to do. I also think it's worth noting that wealth comes into play here. And for some people, exactness of money means a great deal to them. I think at the end of the day, though, you have to pick what you value more. For some people, it might be money. And that's going to sound uncomfortable to hear. But we live in a world where I would say it's highly evident that some people care more about money than their fellow human beings. I'm not thrilled with that, but we do have to acknowledge that fact before we can address or respond to it. And in my mind, expressing my very personal bias here, if you see people around you that care about humanity and demonstrate its priority over money, over having money, over making profit, I would say tend towards those people. They are probably kinder, more sympathetic, and on some level, more relatable. I really love that in this article they say that rounding off can signal trust. And that at the end of the day, the exactness of requesting or repaying certain transactions shows the brevity of those relationships. As I think I may have earlier said in different terms, if you don't pay someone back exactly, there is the implication, as this research shows, that there will be future purchases, future opportunities to even things out. But if you feel a need to treat every little transaction as the end-all be-all, as the point at which the receipt might be printed, so to speak, then you're really doing something to that relationship. And I'm wary here of saying that's negative or positive, but you're definitely intimating how you want your interaction with those people to play out. The article begins, mobile payment apps allow us to record exact charges. Some see this as efficient and fair when debts are paid back to the cent. But I think this opening is actually a really great example of many 21st century phenomena. The technology we've invented as a species is really powerful and really capable, but it's unfeeling. When we use social media and demonstrate our reactions or feelings in a certain way, those are digitized and turned into a myriad of particular emotions. But people are vast oceans of feelings and sentiments. And so while mobile apps might allow us to track things exactly, I don't think people ultimately feel in such a quantitative financial sense. We've all at this point heard the wisdom that past a certain degree of income, one's general happiness doesn't increase. I think that's because we are not quantitatively measured in that way. And so I think ultimately the wisdom within this article is that when we treat one another as walking value propositions or signs of debt, there are impacts to that. And it might sound obvious to some listeners, but we all engage in this behavior, and I think because it is socially encouraged. People around us often say, do you have Venmo? Or can I pay you back? There are signs that we want to engage in this activity. And again, I don't think it's evil, but the impact is there. And of course, as always, we will include the link to this article with this episode, and I highly encourage that everyone give it a read. 
I really appreciate that you point out the way in which these apps and interactions encourage us to look at other people with dollar signs above their heads. And I think that's completely right. In the article, pettiness is defined as an intentional attentiveness to trivial details, which I agreed with, but think they missed the target a little bit. These apps like Venmo don't only encourage our intentional attentiveness, but encourage a kind of exploitation that we want to use this information for our own benefit. And in that way, I think we often objectify one another. You mentioned the classic scenario of a group of people going in on a pizza. And in those kinds of group situations, I sometimes see the worst of myself come out. If someone doesn't ask for an exact amount, I find myself in a place of mistrust where I realize that they have the potential to profit off of this situation right now. If they want to, they can ask for more money or a general amount that makes them quite a bit of money if they want to. And I think it's really unfortunate that I go to that place, but I do. And the fact that these transactions are tied to such immediacy and pressure not only between the indebted and the debtor, but also amongst everyone in that space. You talked a little bit about social media, and I think that's especially relevant when it comes to Venmo, because this is an app where, unless you specify a different degree of privacy, all of your transactions are public and displayed with a comment, almost like a status or a tweet. And in many ways, this becomes a social space. You can like people's payments and comment on them. And a lot of times, many people don't actually offer any description of what they bought but instead will comment with an inside joke, something that publicly displays the degree of intimacy between these two friends. And I think this all goes to say how much we radically underestimate the role of transactional payments in our friendships and the attitudes that we bring to them as having the potential for both deepening and solidifying our relationships or preventing them from even taking off in the first place. And to me, one key reason that a friendship or relationship would not take off or would be smothered out of existence is that fear has no real place in a healthy relationship, or at least not to a strong degree. There's always going to be uncertainty between people. But if a strong feeling that you have towards another person is a fear that they see you as cheap or that you owe them money, that you are less financially responsible or capable than they are, or any other number of negative questions in your head, associations that you have with seeing them, are your conversations going to be more cautious? Are you going to be as open with them? I think the economic argument could be made, and of course neither you nor I is an economist, but the economic argument could be made that debt has a place, that taking an occasional risk and spending money you don't yet have could be valuable. But I think that can largely work because we don't have personal relationships with banks. We might get a letter or a call from them if we haven't repaid the loan that has been given to us. But with a friend, someone that I would hope people see regularly to maintain and improve that friendship, you are coloring the waters, if you will. And I think that's where financial transactions become really tricky. But Kathleen, having said all of that, before we close this episode, what would you like our audience to think about after listening to this conversation? I hope that those listening will consider the ways our digital transactions affect our relationships in general, particularly in how we hope to be perceived and how we perceive others. Do we ever notice ourselves punishing others because we perceive them as being cheap or petty, seeking a kind of retribution? And within this vein, I hope we'll consider the anxieties and discomforts that accompany these interactions. Beyond that, as you've already mentioned, it's important to notice how our perceptions are influenced by our own socioeconomic standings. 
the fact that we can even have this conversation reflects a certain degree of privilege and economic comfort. I'm wondering if listeners have any thoughts on that or any reflections on interactions taking place between two people of differing socioeconomic standings. Does what we owe each other change in those instances? Or do we stick to this idea of equality and fairness in our debts? As we've been having this conversation about relationships and how financial transactions can affect them, I'm also reminded of topics like sexuality and how our society sometimes struggles to discuss that out of discomfort. And much like sexuality, I would argue that finance is a reality of our world. It may make some people uncomfortable, and I respect that to a point, but I also think that there are topics that we should discuss. And much like two partners should discuss their feelings towards sexuality, I also feel that people who interact financially should maybe discuss their feelings about finances. I have no illusions, because I'm not this much of an idealist, that it's an easy conversation to have, but I'd actually be really surprised if two honest, open-minded individuals came to the table and discussed in a compassionate way their feelings towards money if those people didn't leave the conversation feeling better understood and listened to and maybe more comfortable discussing money in the future because it's a reality we deal with. I think the inside jokes and remarks you refer to on Venmo reflect both the closeness that people feel comfortable expressing and also, to me, implied in that, the discomfort they have with more openly acknowledging that this is a financial transaction between friends or between companions or acquaintances. To me, further wisdom in this article is that we should talk about money more. And I really think that this article brings up some great points. I would encourage anyone listening, next time they pay someone back, to see if you can round it. And if the other person responds in a certain way, reference this article and maybe discuss it with them. And lastly, if you feel comfortable doing so, make a small purchase for a friend or an acquaintance of yours in front of them, perhaps at a coffee shop or a restaurant, and encourage them not to pay you back, but to do something of equivalent value in the future for you, and see how they feel about more of a barter system as opposed to pragmatic payment. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between, Ours are only two voices, and Kathleen and I definitely aren't the only two people who have and use money. So if you have any opinions, comments, or thoughts of any kind, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as telling a friend about it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And I'm Kathleen Duffy. Go in peace and conversation.